Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. Federal Parliament's been recalled today to pass the government's caps on coal and gas. Sometime next year, it'll hopefully start saving households money. But with some reports, multinational fossil fuel corporations could take away a whopping $140 billion gross profit this year. Is there more we could be doing to bring prices down? Today, Alison Reeve from the Grattan Institute on whether the government's going far enough to reduce our energy costs. Alison, first I want to talk to you about this unique position Australia is in. We have, don't we, an abundance of natural resources, an abundance of coal, an abundance of gas. We must really be envied around the world. We certainly are one of the biggest exporters of coal and gas in the world, and we have some of the largest reserves. I'm not sure about envy Mm -hmm. um, because I think for a lot of developed economies at the moment are finding themselves in a situation where it doesn't really matter whether you've got lots of coal and gas or not, you're definitely affected by what's going on with international prices. Mm, And that's all due to the war in Ukraine. But these energy giants in Australia, they do have access to a lot of these resources. I gather they're making huge money at the moment. Yeah, so because around more than 90% of our gas is exported and 90% of our coal is exported and the international prices are high because no one wants to buy Russian coal or Russian gas, they're making profits that are a long way above what they would normally make. Now, they're not making that on all of their exports because a lot of them will sell coal or gas overseas on contracts. So that means that there'll be someone in Japan or Korea who says, I want to buy coal from you at a particular price for 10 years. And that means you've locked that price in so you don't get the super profit. But every time you sell what's called a spot cargo, which is where you're selling it to someone that you don't necessarily have a a long-term contract with, you will be able to get those very high prices and make quite a healthy profit from that. So they're making billions of dollars, billions and billions of dollars. We know that. Yes. So the next question is, Alison, what sort of taxes are they facing? Because they're using our natural resources, aren't they? They're resources belonging to all of us. So when you um, open a coal mine or you open a gas extraction plant, you pay a royalty to whichever state government is responsible for where that is located. Mm-hmm. And that's usually based on the value of the what you're extracting. So if the coal price um, is $100 a tonne, there'll be a certain percentage of, of um, the value of that that you need to give to the state government. It's usually somewhere around a percentage that's, you know, under 10 Mm, And there are those, of course, including the Greens leader and the independent David Pocock, who argue that those taxes are way too low, that we should, in fact, slug these energy giants with a super profits tax. In the first half of this year, Woodside Energy and Santos made a profit of more than $4 billion between them, an increase of between 300 and 400 percent. The profit these two companies made in just six months is equivalent to the cost of sending all Australian children to preschool between the ages of three and five for 10 years, or of electrifying a third of all Australian households. What we need now is a windfall profits tax. 
there are a number of people arguing for that, that would solve a heap of our problems, wouldn't it? Because we would get back, the Australian people, a huge amount of money. Yeah. I mean, what what a super profits tax would do is it would recognise that we gave these companies the right to exploit these resources under a particular set of circumstances and those circumstances have now changed and that we we think that it's fair to share some of the bounty of that back with the Australian people. Depending on how you designed it, it would have a less direct effect on the price of coal and gas in Australia, which is the thing that the Treasurer is concerned about at the moment. But if it was well designed, it should have a similar um, impact to what a price cap would have. We last saw calls for this sort of super profits tax when Kevin Rudd was in power. He proposed the resource super profits tax on the mining industry. Australian people own those resources and they deserve a fairer share from those resources to fund better super, better tax cuts for small business and better infrastructure for the future. Yeah, why it didn't happen under Kevin Rudd, I think, was that the mining industry conducted a very effective public relations campaign against it and spooked that government into backing away from it. It could be your job. Or your superannuation. Or your electricity bill. The extra money. Uh, but put it this way if a company is doing the right thing by its shareholders, it will always object to a change in the regulatory regime that it thinks might affect its profits. But that doesn't mean that the policy. To, to change the regulatory regime is necessarily a bad policy. You know, governments are there to govern in the national interest, not in the interest of individual companies. And where the interest of companies diverges from the national interest, that is where government should be stepping in with a policy solution, including changing royalties or putting in place taxes. Mm, so do you think the government is worried that there would be a big campaign against them if they were to bring in a super profits tax against the coal companies, against the gas companies? So the the current federal government was elected on a platform of not bringing in any new taxes. So, mm. you know, governments are often reluctant to break election commitments. I think the other thing to bear in mind, though, is that one lesson that we've learned out of the mining tax and then the um, petroleum resource rent tax is that when you try and design a tax in a hurry, it often doesn't go very well. It's either not an effective tax um, or a lot of people to object to it. So if you wanted to have a super profits tax, it would take quite a while to design it. And we've got a problem sort of right in the here and now with energy bills. And I think potentially the government is also looking for something that it can do immediately. Okay, so let's have a look at the here and now because we're not going to have a super profits tax, but the government is introducing a cap on the amount these companies can charge us. We had a look, Alison, last week at the cap of $12 a gigajoule on gas, but I want to consider with you this cap on coal. What's being proposed in that area? So the government is proposing to cap the price of uncontracted coal at $125 per tonne of coal. Now, uncontracted means that it's being sold 
on the spot market, which means it's sort of an, an ad hoc sale or an ad hoc purchaser of coal. It's not somebody who's buying coal under a long-term contract like we talked about with gas before. Okay, so the 125, how does that compare to what's been charged at the moment? There have been reports that some power stations are being buying coal at, at you know, $200 and $300 a tonne, um, which is a lot higher than what they're used to buying it at. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's only a couple of power stations who, for various reasons, have found themselves running short of coal and not able to get the coal that they'd contracted. So they're having to buy it um, on the spot market, which means that they're paying that high price. It is actually probably above the average price of what power stations have been paying for coal. So what that means is there will not be very many coal mines who will be badly affected by the price. So will it actually make a difference to electricity prices then? It should do because the way the electricity market works is that the what's called the marginal generator. So it's the generator who is providing the last kilowatt hour of electricity that we need to meet demand sets the price that all of the other generators at that time get paid. So if that marginal generator is a coal generator who's bought coal on the spot market, they're going to charge a very high price for their electricity. And then all of the other electricity generators who are in the market will also get paid that price. And that's why the price is high. So if you cap the cost of the coal, which is the input cost for those um, coal-fired generators, then that marginal price will be lower, which means overall the electricity price comes down. And there's been predictable protests from the industry, hasn't there? Mm. The chief executive of Woodside Energy, Meg O'Neill, she was on Radio National Breakfast expressing concern over what she calls the intervention by the government in the energy market. What we're concerned about is the price controls that are being proposed actually will have the opposite effect by driving supply out of the marketplace and creating potential for shortages. The states have been worried too, haven't they, because of those royalties that you mentioned before. So Queensland actually adjusted its royalty regime earlier this year to recognise that there was a bonanza going on and to make sure that the Queensland people shared in that. So they changed it so that there are much higher royalties for coal that's sold at higher values. Um, So we could expect to see Queensland collect slightly lower levels of royalties than they otherwise would have. In New South Wales, which has not changed its royalty regime, there's one thing to remember about their royalties is that they go into a future fund. So the current government doesn't get the royalties from coal. It's actually future governments and future citizens of New South Wales who benefit from those. Let's talk then about the typical household power bill, because the government's promising it will go down by about $230 next financial year. How can it be so certain? The government's forecasting that prices will, well, prices will rise less than they otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. So prices were forecast to go up by about 46%. And the impact of the caps is meant to be that the prices go up by 23%. So prices will still be higher, but they won't be as high as they would have been if the government hadn't acted. 
The other thing to remember here too is that the impact of the price of coal is on the wholesale electricity price. Individual households buy their energy through the retail market and it often takes sort of 6 to 12 months for changes in wholesale prices to flow through to retail prices because the way that our contracts with our electricity retailers are structured, they will have provisions in them about when the prices are allowed to change. So we might not see a drop in those bills until midway through next year or later. Yes. These caps on gas and coal, they're only meant to last a year. But what if households still need that relief beyond that? Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. Mm. (laughs) One of the provisions in the gas legislation is to bring in a mandatory code of conduct which would govern how gas suppliers supply their gas into the domestic market and that potentially could include a price provision. It would also allow the Treasurer um, to impose the cap for another 12 months if they thought that was necessary. The thing about this is though it's meant to be an emergency power and the thing about emergency powers is you want to almost never have to use them. So what would be preferable, I think, would be if we saw some sensible market reform and also some sensible behaviour from the gas suppliers and the coal suppliers such that we don't need to invoke emergency powers in the future because we can settle the domestic price a little lower. Alison Reeve is the Climate Change and Energy Deputy Program Director at the Grattan Institute. The Greens say the caps don't go far enough and are demanding power bills be frozen for two years. In the UK, a super windfall tax on oil and gas producers was introduced by former Prime Minister Boris Johnson and is expected to raise $9 billion a year to pay for subsidies for households struggling with rising energy bills. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. To get in touch with the team, email us on ABC News Daily, abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.